0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Wow, that just felt good. You know how awkward it is to say that with no response for the last three months? Can I get a good amen? Oh God, that that feels awesome. Oh, man, I'm grateful for technology, but I got to tell you this. I have struggled preaching to a camera lens. I just, uh, God bless that red light. It's hard for me to feel, you know, with that red light. But now that I got some 98.6 degrees, come on. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, I ain't got no fever. (laughs) It's good to feel the the love and the passion of bodies up in here. And and, uh, today, and I know we're in such a unique time, are we not? You know, you can just sense, I mean, the the journey that we've been on over the last three months. I mean, you know, you you think about the spirit of fear that has been released in the earth. You know, uh, over the last couple of weeks, you can just sense the anger and hostility in this country. Come on, talk to me. And then now we've got a a tropical tropical storm bearing down on us, the, the confusion and the chaos. I want you to listen to that. You know, the enemy is about fear, is about hate, and about chaos. Can I talk where we live? But God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and love and a sound mind. I'm so grateful to be a part of the people of God, family of God, connected to what God is doing in and through you. You know, I have to say this, the last three months, if you're an extrovert, how many extroverts do we have? Okay. Quarantine for an extrovert There can't be any worse punishment. Talk to me. I mean, how many of you have been just climbing the walls, driving your own family crazy? Yeah, now, if you're an introvert, maybe the last three months have been good for you. You feel validated. You feel empowered. Uh, But for an extrovert, it has been a challenge. Um, Last week, confession, I, I rolled over here to Jabby's Pizza. Pulled up to get a pizza, and and when I pulled up in the parking lot, I looked next door, and through the window, there's a, I guess it's a hair salon, okay? So as I pulled up in my car, I looked through my windshield, looked through the window, and I saw one of the students that comes here to Healing Place Church. I saw Anna Oriella. And when you're an extrovert, and you see a familiar face in a quarantine, I just got excited. I'm like, I know her, I know her. I got out of my car, rolled up to the window, man. I was like, hey, what's up, Anna? This is your pastor, girl. you getting your hair did. It looks all good. I was so fired up. I wanted to come through the window and hug somebody. Come on. I didn't know I stayed on the outside. I was so excited to see Anna. Just a familiar face. And she wasn't as excited <laughs> to see me. And then I realized, I know why she's not excited to see me, because she doesn't know me. That wasn't Anna. I literally rushed the window thinking it was Anna Oriella, and it's somebody who looks like her, but it wasn't Anna. And it's kind of, have you ever had one of those moments where you go up to talk to somebody like, what's up, what's up? And they're like, who are you? I'm like, sorry, I thought you were somebody else. I'm the creepy pastor right down the road on Highland. I kind of had a, it was so discouraging because from a distance, I had made a judgment. Okay, watch where I'm going. You know where I'm going. From a distance, I had assessed the situation, and in my mind, there was a certain reality. But when I came close, I got a new perspective. I I, I saw things in a new light. I couldn't just see the same thing from a distance. It became obvious when I leaned in and when I took a closer look, I had made a mistake. Here's what I want to ask for the next couple of Sundays. I don't want you to keep a safe distance from this topic. When we talk about race and relationships and reconciliation, I'm going to ask that you lean in And you take a closer look. I want you to lean in and maybe you'll see some things that you've missed. Maybe there's some new observations that you'll gather. Maybe there's new information that you didn't see from a distance. But because you're leaning in and taking a closer look, it becomes obvious and clear. I think the church is the safest place to have the toughest conversations. Can I say that again? the family of God, in the realm of the spirit of God, the church should be the safest place to have the most difficult conversations. And I want you to know as your pastor and and our staff, we are committed to healing, to equality, and to valuing all life. You know what? This pulpit will not be silent on the current issues of our day. Come on, if you believe that, if you desire that, put your hand together. And I'm not up here today preaching out of a a position of perfection or expertise. The truth is I am learning and growing just like you. I do feel a biblical mandate. Here's here's the, I guess, the template for the next two weeks. When we talk about this topic, I I don't want you to keep a distance. I want you to lean in. But then I want you to look through the lens of God's word. We're we're not going to look at this topic through the lens of the media. Come on, talk to me. Uh, because there's a lot of confusing voices. There's a lot of noise out there. If, 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 you, if you look in, into the news or any of the social media platforms, everybody has something to say. And, and my fear is there's a whole lot more talking than listening. And everybody's got a microphone and an opinion. And, man, they got everybody on blast. And it seems like we live in a culture of perpetual offense, I'm not looking to offend anybody. Man, I'm I'm not looking to create a problem. I'm not looking to to blast somebody who feels differently than I do. Uh, You got to be careful when you look through the lens of media. And then you also have to be careful if you look at it through the lens of politics. Uh, Media makes me confused. Politics makes me angry. So I'm just going to stick with the word of God. And as a church and as a body of believers, this has to be our instruction. You know, we, we have a problem in this country, and it's crippled our nation from its inception. And I know there may be people that say, well, 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 Mike, I don't have an issue with this. Just because you don't have a problem with this doesn't mean it's not a problem. You may be in good space when it comes to this particular topic, but our nation, our communities are suffering. And as believers, we have a responsibility to be a part of the solution. Can I have a good amen? You know, this problem dates back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. And so let's trace this thing all the way back to the very beginning. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. I want you to see this. And I want you to see how it's connected to the current events of our day. The enemy was tempting Adam and Eve in that garden of perfection. And here's what he said. He says, hey, guys, listen, God knows. He knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat this fruit. Remember, they could eat of any tree in the garden except for one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil comes along and says, hey, uh, God doesn't want what's best for you. He wants what's less for you. He's simply holding you back. He knows that as soon as you eat this forbidden fruit, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You see, I want you to know that at the root of racism is a thing called pride. You know, you'll be like God. God, there's a sense of superiority. You know, if you're superior, then somebody is inferior, okay? And Adam and Eve, they wanted to be like God. Okay, well, if we eat this, then we will come up to a superior level. And you know, the Bible is filled with those who thought they were superior to others. Cain hated Abel. Joseph thought he was better than his brothers, Pharaoh and the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. Jonah despised the people of Nineveh. And the Jews in Jesus' day thought they were better than the Samaritans. There was this sense, I think it's within human nature. We are born with a fallen nature and we can trace it back to the first parents, Adam and Eve. That sense of superiority. You know, it's interesting, a number of years ago, I was at the mall... I can't tell you the last time I've been to the mall. But when the kids were little, I think it was maybe Alexa was little, maybe four or five years old. And I remember my favorite place at the mall is to go to the food court. And then if you have small kids, you go from the food court to that little play area, right? Just let the kids burn some energy. And so after we went to Chick-fil-A and we rolled over to to the play area and Alexa jumps in with all these kids. And I just, as I sat there watching the children play, I had an interesting observation. It's amazing to me how all the kids were playing together. There were black kids playing with white kids, playing with Hispanic kids, playing with Asian kids. There, there, were I counted four different nationalities, four different ethnicities all playing in that one spot. And then I looked at the congregant of parents, and we had black families over here, We had white families clustered over here, had Hispanic families. They had their spot age. And it was amazing. to. Here's my observation. The kids were integrated, but the parents were segregated. You know, a kid didn't care what color their friend was. They had a friend. I don't care about the color of your skin. I just want you to be my friend. Come on. How many know we could learn a lot from our children? But somewhere along the line, we've kind of grown into this understanding that we can't keep playing together. That's why I wonder if racism is a learned behavior. Um, Prejudice. Much of what we know of prejudice is borrowed from either our parents or grandparents or either it's taught by culture. Come on, are you with me today? I want to get back to the word. Man, let's see what the scripture has to say. Because God has an answer for every sin in the human heart. Prejudice and racism is a sin. Okay, so what's the answer? Maybe I should say this. Who's the answer? Jesus. Look with me in Philippians 2, verse 5. Look at these two verses. Now keep in mind what Adam and Eve were trying to do. They wanted to be like God. They were were ambitious of superiority. Look at what it says, Philippians 2, 5. Uh, Paul wrote these words, but you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, but instead he gave up his divine privileges. Okay, now do you see the two different pictures we have? In the Garden of Eden, Man was trying to be superior. I want to be like God. But here Jesus gives us an example that's exactly the opposite. Jesus says, wait a second, I am God, but I'm going to give up my divine privilege. Do you see how humility is the key to moving forward toward healing and reconciliation? You see, the answer to racism is Jesus. And if you have Jesus in your heart, you're going to have the same mind and the same man. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, look, I am superior, but I'm going to serve and live and hang out with inferior. Right? If Jesus came down, come on, church, are you catching this today? If Jesus came down, stepped out of deity and entered humanity and set the example for the church, then why would we think that we're better than somebody else? It's time for us to embrace the path of Christ. You know, Jesus tore down every wall of superiority that man has tried to build. When it came to race, consider this, Jesus ministered to the Gentiles. Remember the Syrophoenician woman? Remember the woman at the well? Uh, Jesus, he broke down the wall of racism. When it comes to gender, think about this. Who was the very first person to see the resurrected Savior? Mary Magdalene. I mean, she was the first evangelist of the resurrection. Without Mary, we may would have never known that Jesus was raised from the dead. He breaks down walls of race and gender, even age. Do you know in Jesus' day, children were not valued? In fact, that's why the disciples tried to shoo off the little kids, and, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. You let these kids come to me. Let them sit at my feet. Unless you become like them, you can't even receive the kingdom of God. Come on, can you help me preach today? Oh, this feels so good. Religion. Walls of religion. Jesus tore those walls down too. Jesus came eating and fellowshipping with sinners. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for lunch today. I I love that. Even economic status, Jesus warned the wealthy and he blessed the poor. Everywhere you look at, at the ministry of Jesus, you see him doing two things. Are you with me? Watch this. You see Jesus tearing down walls. And building bridges. Come on, somebody say, tear down walls. Say, build some bridges. You see, as the body of Christ, we have to get a little bit better at tearing down the walls that separate us. And you know what? We have to be intentional about building bridges that connect us to each other. You know, the other day I was, I was driving from, from Baton Rouge into Prairieville. And when I crossed Bayou Manchac, I noticed the bridge, and they're doing some some reconstruction on that bridge. I noticed there was a sign as I'm driving down the road. In fact, I was on Old Jefferson. I wasn't on airline. As I was going down Old Jefferson, I see there was a sign right before I reached the bridge. You know what it said? It said 15 tons maximum capacity. And I thought about that. 15 tons maximum capacity capacity. Now, now, what does that sign say? It's telling me that some engineers, some smart people, come on somebody, everybody say, thank God for smart people. Meant Some smart people got together and they figured out that the, the maximum capacity to cross this bridge is 15 tons. Anything heavier than 15 tons is going to cause this bridge to collapse. I, I don't know how they figure that, You guys, you smart people, Uh, I see Gary Adams, you smart, you probably helped build that bridge, didn't you? Uh, He's shaking his head in humility. I don't know how they calculated that, but that sign is telling me that if I'm driving something that's 16 tons, I'm in trouble. Now, here's the thing. You can't push 50 tons of truth across a 15-ton bridge. Watch this. Watch this. Sometimes everybody's got their opinion, and we think, well, this is true, and this is true, and I'm going to share my opinion. And we try to ramrod truth across the bridge of people that don't quite have the capacity to receive it all at once. This is going to help you in your communication. How are you going to get 50 tons of truth across a 15-ton bridge? Just a few tons at a time. Come on, little by little, little by little. It's going to help if I listen to you first before I try to correct you and tell you what I think about your issues, right? You know, we got to build this thing, move this thing little by little, and I think it would help us as a church if we first looked at the example of Christ and then we listened to those around us, and little by little we began to step into their world. I love the scripture in Psalm 139. Here's here's the two thoughts I want to give you today. And and this this is truth that I feel like can help us build more bridges and tear down some walls. Psalm 139, verse 23. This simple verse gives us two thoughts. Scripture says this. David writes these words and he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Notice what he's saying here. If you take a notes, write down this first thing. Number one, look within. Look within. He's saying, God, would you look inside of me first? Uh, before I try to fix him or change her or, or man, I'm going to correct that. I'm going to speak to this. Before I worry about you, you know what I'm going to say? God, would you please Look inside of me. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. Come on, how about online? Are you with me? Nod your head if you're online. I'm trusting by faith you nodded your head. It starts with me. This is the prayer that we have to pray. Lord, would you look inside of me? You see, if I'm busy pointing fingers at you, I'm going to miss what God's trying to do in me. Uh, Lord, search my heart. Now, this is a dangerous prayer. If you pray, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. If you pray that prayer, guess what? God's going to look at you. He's going to look inside of you. How many know this thing about racism? It it starts in the heart. Man, it's it's not about skin. It's not about externals, man. There's a heart issue that's at stake here. And if we're going to get to the root of the problem, we got to look on the inside first. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Now, here's what I love about God. God gives us the freedom to be completely honest with him. Don't you appreciate that about Jesus? Man, if you're angry, if you're upset, if you're frustrated, if you're disappointed, you can just bring all of that to the Lord. You can be completely honest with God. Well, watch this. You need to let God be completely honest with you, too. Man, okay, let's put it all out there to the Lord. And he says, okay, I hear that, I hear that. Now, let me help bring some correction, some perspective. You may be low in some levels of your life. I'm going to help you identify some things inside of you that maybe you didn't even know were there. You know, one of the things, I'm sure this is frustrating for my wife. I'll look for something, and I just can't find it. And I will yell, babe. Where's where's the peanut butter? I know you, you said you got some peanut butter. Where is it? Well, it's in the pantry. I'm in the pantry. Well, have you looked? Yes, I've looked. Well, it's on the third shelf, baby. I'm looking at the third shelf. I can't see it's right there to your left. I'm looking on the third shelf to my left, and it's not there. And then I hear this. And here she comes. And she walks into the pantry looks at the third shelf right there to the left, and guess what she finds? Peanut butter right there. If I had a dollar for every time that happened, I, she's like, babe, you didn't see it? I, I looked right there. It wasn't there when I looked. Come on, fellas. Can I have a good amen, guys? Wasn't there when I looked, but it just appeared when you looked. See, sometimes when you look into your own soul, you don't see anything. It wasn't there. Oh, come on, Holy Ghost. wasn't there when you looked. But when you say, God, look at me, he's like, check that third shelf. Look to the left. There it is, right there. And you see, this is where we have to start. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. All of us carry blind spots. There are certain things about me that I don't see. I, th- there are certain biases and opinions that I carry that sometimes I don't even realize. And it takes somebody from the outside to look into my soul. You know, I want you to write this down somewhere, too. I I think this is important for us to remember. Where there's heat, there's hurt. Where there's heat, there's hurt. I know that things are inflammatory right now in this country. And I know that nothing is safe to say, and everybody's on blast, and, man, having to walk stuff back, and, and is this apology authentic or not? And, man, there's all kinds of anger and animosity, but I want you to pay attention, and this is what I've been to, to, to discover in, in ministry. In almost 25 years of ministry, I've learned this, that where there's heat, there's hurt. Where, wherever you see anger, if you'll go down to, the, to the, a, a few layers, down to the very surface, you'll see wounds you'll see a uh, brokenness that hasn't been healed. Uh, don't be offended by somebody's anger. But man, let's begin to pray for healing. Because when there's healing in somebody's heart, then that puts out the fire. Where there's heat, there's hurt. God, search me and know my heart. Notice what he says in verse 24. N- number one, not only do we look within, but number two, check this out. Point out anything in me that offends you And, Lord, would you lead me along the path of everlasting life? Notice at first, David says, God, would you look inside? And then secondly, he says this, once you look inside and point some stuff out, Lord, would you now lead me out? God, look within and then lead me out. God, I don't want to stay where I am. I got to move forward. I want to learn, I want to grow, and I want to get better. Can I have a better amen? Come on, this ought to be the cry of our heart. When it comes to the condition of our our culture and our country, Lord, I got to get better. The truth is this, each one of us can improve in an area of our life as it relates to race and relationships. If we're going to be a part of the process of reconciliation, we got to get better. Nobody gets a pass on this. Mike, it's not an issue with me. Don't have a racist bone in my body. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're in a good place. Now, you got to help others get in a good place too. We got to be a part of the solution. You see, it's easy to diagnose the problem. But I'm telling you what, government cannot solve this problem. The media cannot solve this problem. Nobody is equipped to solve the problem except for the church. Why is that? You say, Mike, you're kind of being arrogant about the church. Listen, this is the body of Christ. This is the bride of Jesus. We have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost inside of us. If we can't get this right, listen to me, listen to me. How can we reconcile men to God if we first can't be reconciled to each other? Come on, did you catch that? There's no way I can say, hey, brother, your sin is going to separate you from God, and you're going to miss heaven, unless I can say to another brother, listen, I love you in the love of Jesus. You know, the, the, the Bible says, that Jesus told his disciples, the world will know you belong to me. How? By the great love you have one for another. You see, God's got to move us forward in some areas. Check this out. Jesus told us this. I think if we can get back to this, Matthew 7, 12. You ready? You ready? Matthew 7, 12. Uh, the, The scripture says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. For this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, treat others the way you want to be treated. If you could, I'm going to simplify it. I know racism and relationships, they're complex. There are layers to this. But if if we can use this as our starting point, treat others the way you want to be treated. It's called the golden rule. The golden rule. Did your mama teach you this when you were young? Maybe some of you learned this in Sunday school. You heard pastors talking about this. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Check this out. This is a big old book. There's a lot of instruction in here, a lot of do's and a lot of don'ts. There's an Old Testament, a New Testament, man, a lot of promises, a lot of word. But you know what? Jesus said, if you'll just do this verse, if you'll just do Matthew 7, 12, you have fulfilled all of the law of Moses and everything those prophets spoke of in the Old Testament. He can sum it up in one verse. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That is the universal remote control. How many of you have two or three remotes at your house? And you don't have a clue. Listen, sometimes I struggle just to turn the TV on. How many ever had to call one of your children or grandkids into the room to help you turn on the TV just so you can watch a show? Yeah, you got one remote to turn the TV on, another remote to, t- to control the volume, another remote to change the channel. It's like somebody please put it all in one. How many of you are thankful for the universal remote control? And one, I hold within my hand the power. Ha, 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 ha. Watch this. ha, <laughs> ha. I can watch whatever I want. It's all in one. Listen, this promise is the universal remote control. It works whether you're two years old or whether you're 82 years old. Come on, somebody. It works on Sunday in church. Guess what? It works Monday at your workplace. It works with your friends, and it's guaranteed to work with your enemies. It works if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're educated, uneducated, black, white, brown, red, green. It doesn't matter what color you are. This is the universal remote control that works in every situation. The best way to teach your children about racial equality, start right here with the golden rule. Notice it doesn't say treat other people according to how you feel. Or it doesn't say treat other people according to what they deserve. Have you ever looked at somebody and be like... Well, they got what they deserved. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Let me ask you this. Aren't you glad you didn't get what you deserved? Man, what did we deserve? Judgment. What did we receive? Mercy. doesn't say treat each other the way that you've been treated. Come on, somebody. Just because you were made from dirt doesn't give you the right to treat somebody like dirt. Come on, talk to me. Treat others the way that you would require to be treated. Let let me close. Has this been helpful? Let, Let me close. Revelation 7, verse 9. You see, the sin that started in the Garden of Eden, here's where God is trying to get us in Revelation. I want you to read this. John says this, After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. From every nation, every tribe, Every people group and every language. Notice the diversity there. And what were they doing? They were standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. Now, what was messed up in Eden, paradise that was lost in Eden, God's now, he's reclaiming, he's redeeming. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, and they were standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes, and they held palm branches in their hands. Now notice this picture of heaven. Let me tell you what I love about our church. I am going to tell you what I love about you. When I read that again this week, I thought, you know what? That picture not only sounds like heaven, but it kind of feels like HPC. It kind of feels like a little heaven on Earth. You know what? Because in heaven, notice, they didn't lose their unique diversity. They didn't lose it. When we get to heaven, you're not going to change who you are, your ethnicity. God created you and fashioned you in his image. He didn't apologize for the color he put on your skin. And nobody should feel guilty for the color of their skin. You were made in the image of God. You don't lose your diversity in heaven. But watch this. They were unified because they were before the Lamb of God. That tells me that unity and diversity can happen. And guess what? It needs to happen in us. This is what heaven looks like. This is what the church should look like. And my prayer for us is that we'd say, Lord, look in my soul, look within. And then God, whatever you find, identify that. And Lord, lead me. I gotta take some steps. I wanna learn, I wanna grow. I wanna look like you, walk like you, act like you, talk like you. Amen. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church.